Evening. Uh, good to see you. I have the daunting challenge of following Emily, who was here uh, last week and uh, did her first ever preach. How many of you were there for that? Yeah. And uh, has got, a, well, she's gone viral on YouTube. She's got billions of views. So uh, we uh, are starting, we started last week with Emily. We're continuing our series called The Call. And it's a basic series looking at the Gospel of Matthew, but it's looking at the fact that every single one of us is called. Now, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus here, then you are called. If you're not a believer, if you're looking at faith, if where you're watching, whether you're here or online, uh, and you're not sure about faith, you just need to know that Jesus is calling you. We are all called into what God is doing in the world. The problem with us is that when we think about call, as, as uh, Emily alluded to last week, we tend to think of the special people. We think about the call of Samuel, when Samuel is the kind of the prophet, a little boy in the temple and God speaks and he says, here I am, your servant hears. Or we think about Paul, who is murdering Christians. He's on his way to Damascus. He's struck down by a light and Jesus appears to him and calls him. Or we think about Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and an angel comes down and calls her and says, you're going to be the mother of Jesus, the saviour, your highly favoured lady. And we think about those special examples and we think that's what call is all about. It's, it's only for the special people. The rest of us would just kind of make up the numbers. But what this series tells us and what Jesus constantly underlines for us in the Gospel of Matthew is that we are all called. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are called. We're all called. We're all called by Jesus. And that means that you are incredibly special. There's no one who follows Jesus. There's no one who serves Jesus who's just making up the numbers. If you have heard people tell you, or if you've told yourself, I'm no one special, I'm not a particularly good Christian, you just need to know that is not your birthright. That's not your destiny. Jesus has called you. Jesus is calling you. And that call means that you are unbelievably special. You have incredible destiny. Now, the only problem with this is, is that if you look at the rest of the series, and tonight I'm doing the call to proclaim, uh, next week we've got the call to die with Matt. And then we've got the call to give with Chloe. And uh, you can think, well, hang on a minute. These, these are all really challenging, difficult, self-sacrificial subjects. We're talking tonight about proclaiming the good news. That's like sharing your faith. That is super sketchy for many of us. Evangelism, all of that business. We kind of think, oh, I'd really not want to be called to this because I don't feel very good at it. Or the call to die, to take up your cross. Again, this is seeming like less good news than you've been called by Jesus. You've been called by God. You didn't necessarily get a voice from heaven or an angel, but you're no less called. And yet, called to die? That doesn't seem so great either. Called to give, called to give what we have and to live a radical life of generosity and sacrificial um, dependence on Jesus. It seems really hard. And this is what I want really to give you over these next few minutes. I want you to understand that what we're talking about, when we talk about calling, it's not about you primarily. The problem that I have had and the problem I think that many of us have when we think about call is we think it's about me. 
Special people are called. Gifted people are called. Extraordinary people are called. But what about the rest of us? I don't know if I have the wherewithal to proclaim the good news. I don't know if I have really got what it takes to live a sacrificial life. I I just have too much going on and I've got my own stuff and I'm, I'm dealing with my own issues. I don't know about trusting God in radical ways. I just don't know if I've got that in me. And that is a Mistake, that's, that's a, a trap that you can fall in. That we are not to think about ourselves, but it is about what Jesus does for us. It's not about the person being called, it's about the person doing the calling. And if we can get a grasp of that, it'll make all the difference. So we're going to look at um, the, fourth, the 10th chapter, rather, fourth chapter last week, 10th chapter in Matthew. And this is when Jesus has taken those disciples that Emily spoke about last week that he called. And then this is another call that he gives them. And I want you to read this along with me. um, And I want you to see if you notice anything unusual about this. So it says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. Everyone say, gave them. them. Now read what it says. It says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. What I want you to notice is that before we get the list of the 12 disciples, who they are. Now, we've already met, thanks to Emily, James and John, Simon and Andrew. We've, we've met those guys, but we haven't met any of those other ones. And before you hear all about them or anything about them, even their names, their backstory. You know, one of them was a zealot. In other words, he was a kind of radical Uh, a a left-wing radical wanting to overthrow the the government, which was in a kind of oppressive government. The other was a tax collector. So he was a collaborator with this oppressive government. These two diametrically opposed people. That's really super interesting. But before we hear anything about them, we hear what Jesus does for them. Before we know about them, we know about what he gives them. Before we talk about those that are called, we hear about the one that does the calling. And it says, Jesus gave them authority. Before you find out who they are, before we talk about their particular characteristics, he gave to them. So he calls them and he gives to them. And you absolutely need to know that if Jesus calls you, and he is calling you, he gives you something special along with that calling. It's not a call that you get and then you have to somehow live up to it, respond to it, grit your teeth, find the resources somewhere. It's a call that you get, then you get given a gift in order to do that call. Here's a great expression. And if you remember nothing else from tonight, remember this one. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Say that with me. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. We think people that are equipped, people that are mega talented or people that are super confident, people that are just naturally kind of spiritual, you know, the live wires. We think that God calls them uh, the equipped. But actually the truth is that God uses weak, ordinary, everyday, average people. 
and then he equips them to do extraordinary, unbelievable, supernatural, life-changing, world-shattering things. So God, with the call, gives you a gift, gives you something that you need in order to fulfill this incredible calling that he's invited you into. Now, you say to me, yeah, but Philip, you've just used the example, literally, of the 12 apostles, the most famous Christians in all of Christendom. Now, they're not so special. They're not as amazing as you think, and I can prove it to you. Here's a little question before we go any further. I've just read to you the passage, but I did a little trick. Did anyone notice what the trick was? I bet some of you got it. Yeah, you, you know, I've told you. <laughs> Anyone notice what we did? Okay, let's have that passage up. Now tell me what the trick is. Is it level? Nearly, you're on the right track. There's only 10 disciples. So I've noted you 10 disciples. Now, I want you right now to give me the names of the other two disciples that are missing. Okay, Judas. You can't cheat. That's that what defeats the object. Thaddeus. Oh, very good. Thaddeus and James the Less. Then Oscar, Matt, all the rest of you that got it. Let's have a look. James, son of Alpheus and Thaddeus. So James, he was literally called James the Less. In other words, there's like little James or rubbish James. There was like the main James that we all think about. And then when I read this, I was thinking, actually, I don't remember James being a disciple. Is that right? I mean, I've only been a Christian for half a century and I had not clocked James. He is literally James the Thaddeus! What has Thaddeus ever done for anybody? Thaddeus, it's like, thanks for playing. You did nothing. You get no kind of mention. Um, maybe one verse, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, well, he's also known as Nathaniel, again, one verse. But a couple of these disciples, nothing, nothing about them. These are not fantastically incredible people. Witness the fact that we who are Christians, people who know the Bible, most of us, certainly not me, we couldn't even name them. They're just ordinary, everyday people unremarkable. Like Emily said last week, they're the rejects. So if you feel like you're a reject, if you feel like you don't make the grade, you're exactly the kind of person that Jesus loves to use. Why? Because smart, talented, gifted, exceptional people, they make themselves look good when they do great things. But guys like us, messed up, broken, faulty, we make Jesus look good when he uses us and he gets all the glory and it becomes super clear who's doing all the, the good stuff. That it, it can't be these ordinary people. It's got to be something about Jesus. So what does he give them? The Bible says he gave them authority. Authority is a big, big deal. Let me tell you about authority. One month ago, ladies and gentlemen, I got something really good. I got authority. Now, I've been working for Woodlands Church family for many years. I've been in it since I was 19 years old. And for the very first time, I was given a level of authority that I've never received. I've often asked for it, but I've always been turned down. Ladies and gentlemen, would you like to see the authority I was given? Yes. 
in my back pocket. Woodlands credit card. <laughs> Coded to my PIN number. Emily's got very excited. We have had such great team times ever since I got this. Uh, but what this does is this is authority. I've literally got access to the funds. Now, for those of you that give to the church, which is most of you, uh, Calm down, I am trustworthy. But I have been given authority. And if I want to get something, I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to try anything. I just go up and I give them my card, which is the, it says on it, it's upside down, uh, Woodlands Group of Churches, which is our charitable name. Did you know I had an email from um, a Nigerian man the other day saying, if you tell me your bank account, I will give you um, a lot of money. Uh, typical. But it actually was my dad, so it was fine. Uh, but you, can't, you, know, you can't be too careful. But that authority means I can get stuff with this, and it's not to do with my bank balance. This account has got way more money than any of our accounts. Way more money. I mean, it's got money in for a start. Uh, and I have access to it, not because of my resources, not because of my ability, but because I've been entrusted with authority. And Jesus says to his disciples, I'm giving you authority. And you say again, well, wait a minute, Philip, this is a specific example. This is the 12 apostles. Actually, what this is, is this is practice. This is a training run. This is Jesus saying to the disciples, I want you to go and I want you to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And then later on at the end of Matthew's gospel, the same thing is said. He says, right, what you've done, I want you to do with others. All my disciples are to go and proclaim good news. So if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are called and given authority to. This is not an extra credit kind of deal. This is the main and plain for every single person who follows after Jesus. Everyone who is an apprentice of Jesus. Everyone who is looking to be covered in the dust of their rabbi. To be so close to Jesus that we do what he does. What do you want us to do, Jesus? I want you to go, but I'm going to give you authority and authority makes all the difference. You want to talk about sharing your faith with your friends, with your work colleagues, with your flatmates. You feel weak, you feel inadequate, you feel like your back is against the wall, you feel like the church has got bad press, you, you don't know how to start the conversation, you think you're going to mess it up. All those things I get, I understand, I hear you, I'm with you, but I need you to know you have been given authority. Authority makes all the difference because suddenly the power of God and the resources of heaven, like a credit card in your hand, are there at your disposal. A few years ago, a friend of mine called Amy was doing a, um, an acting course. She was an actor. And uh, she told me one particular occasion when they were doing some exercises in their class. And what they had was they had all the, the acting students in a, a theatre, in a hall, on stage. And uh, they did this exercise where the drama teacher says, right, what I want you to do is I want you to develop the art of being aware of each other's auras. When you were on the stage, you need to be aware with a kind of sixth sense of where the other actors are in the scene. Without being able to see them, you just need to be able to feel their projections. So what we're going to do is we're going to try projecting our auras. Project your auras. So this is how we do it. 
Volunteer. Volunteer comes. Blindfolds put on them. Right, everyone, take up a different position in the theatre stage. Uh, the person's blindfolded. They can't see where you are. Now, where you are, with a blindfolded person, project your aura. Project your aura. Project your aura. Okay, everyone's doing that. Now, person with a blindfold on, when you feel that you've picked up an aura, move towards that feeling. And uh, that's exactly what they do. Blindfold, people move, projecting aura. Blindfold person pauses, thinks, and then moves in a particular direction. Stops, blindfold comes off. There they are, stood right in front of Amy. It worked. Everyone claps. They're delighted. The professor comes along and says, that's very, very good. See, it does work. Okay, another volunteer. Volunteer, blindfold, everyone, different position. Aura thinks, moves in another direction, stops, blindfolded. There they are, standing in front of Amy. People are freaked out. Okay, another volunteer, blindfold, people move, thinks, Aura moves in another direction, totally different direction, stops, blindfold comes off. They are stood in front of none other than Amy. Now people are weirded out. The professor goes up to Amy and says, Amy, I've done this exercise many times, but I've never experienced such spectacular results. What is your secret? Share that with the rest of the group. And Amy says this, well, look, you know, guys, that I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm not sure about all this projecting my aura stuff. So all I did was I asked Jesus to show his love to you guys. I asked Jesus to show himself to you. I asked Jesus to bless you. And I was just praying. I wasn't projecting. I was praying. I was praying to God and asking him to help you in your lives. The professor looks at Amy and says, wow, that's amazing. Okay, could you please not do that anymore? And let's try it the proper way. So she says, fine, I won't pray. You don't want me to pray. And so another volunteer, blindfold, projection, thinks, moves, goes in a different direction. Blindfold comes off and they're stood in front of someone completely different. So the professor goes over to this guy and says, so what was your experience? What did you do? And the guy says, swear to God, he says, well, I heard what Amy said and I thought I'd give it a go. So I prayed and here they are. All the questions coming to that individual afterwards because Jesus has given her authority and Jesus has given you authority. And when we act in the authority of Jesus, things begin to happen. And you may feel when it comes to talking about Jesus, when it comes to talking and sharing your faith, talking about what you do on a Sunday or how you're part of a spiritual community, you might find that that is a challenge for you, but it's not about you. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips those he calls. Jesus equips, he gives us authority. And that means that you have every right, as the disciples did, to see people healed. Jesus wants us to demonstrate the reality. Because what are we supposed to be talking about? He gives us authority for what? It's for the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is this, let's read the passage, 
By the way, uh, shout out to Mark, he's doing a stand-up job, and he wants it to go on the record that uh, a couple Sundays ago in the morning service, when I called him out for spoiling the, um, the surprise, he had actually done exactly what I told him to do. That one's on me. Please get off his back. Let the hate mail stop. Let the intimidation come to an end. All right, so thank you, Mark. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Freely you have received, freely give. So this is about the kingdom. That's the whole deal. Jesus is saying, look, you've been given the kingdom, the kingdom of God. What is it? Again, part of the problem that we have when we talk about sharing our faith is that we reduce faith down to a spiritual, personal experience. Let Jesus come into your life and he'll make it better. And Christianity just becomes a kind of life add-on, a little kind of upgrade to a regular life. You just do the normal thing, have a little bit of Jesus topping. You know, for some it's Pilates, for some it's Jesus, whatever works for you. And we've made it this kind of very small, very personal thing. But Jesus didn't say, I want you to tell people about your own small part of the gospel. I want you to tell them about the kingdom. The kingdom is God's perfect world made real, where there's no more war. There's no Ukraine-Russian conflict. There's no teenagers in France being shot in cars. There is no breakdown and unhappiness, injustice, exploitation. I was at a session on Tuesday. It was all about modern slavery, forced labor, human trafficking, sexual exploitation of women and girls, children. Well, in God's kingdom, that stuff is dead and buried. It's a thing of the past. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of mercy. It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom that is defined by love, where people love one another. And Jesus says, you've been brought into this kingdom where the broken are made whole, where the lonely are put in families, where those who are in darkness are shown a light to navigate their lives by. You've been given that. I want you to freely give. I want you to proclaim not just, hey, you should think about Jesus because it will help you with your mental health. All that is true and it's valid and it could be the way in. But the big picture is, Jesus says, I am choosing you, calling you, equipping you, giving you authority to what? To proclaim the kingdom. And that is why he said to people, heal the sick, cast out demons, um, raise from the dead, because that's what the kingdom looks like. It means that intractable problems of deep, dark evil are banished and dealt with. It means that people who are sick and in need and suffering emotionally, physically, socially, are healed and restored. And we demonstrate that. And our job is to demonstrate the good news of God's kingdom. I did the, uh, the 10K the other day. Some of you know about that. Don't like to brag, but it was a pretty good time. Yeah, Kyle was there. He hurt himself. But he was doing the, well, and India. 
Um, they're better than me. It's okay. But I was there. And uh, it reminded, well, I was basically there because I'm thinking next year about us doing Love Running as a church. For those of you that don't know about Love Running, Love Running is an initiative that we've started, started in 2009, where we called people to do a mass uh, entry into the Bristol 10K. All churches with our friends, so maybe 20% of people were from outside of the church. But we said, we don't love running, but we want to see love running to where it's needed the most. Love running, make friend, get fit, make friends, change the world. And so we're all there in our red t-shirts. And over six races in Bristol, we've raised about a 0.8 of a million. We've given it to extend the kingdom. But I remember the first year that we did that, I was just reminded of this running last month. The first year that we did it, there was, there were, yeah, there was 300 of us that year, 600 the next year. But there's 300 of us running the Bristol 10K. And uh, we're all in our red t-shirts with the kind of heart, love running heart on, uh, on the back. And uh, this one guy, his name's Ed, he sees all these runners and they are just unlike anything he's ever seen. And uh, some of them he's overtaking because they're kind of older and less fit. And some of them are overtaking him because they're just fast as cheaters. It's incredible. And he finds one of the red shirts at the end and he says, You've got to tell me who you are. I need to join this running club. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. The zip, the spark, the charisma, the, the kind of, the, the vibe between you all. You're all cheering one another on and, and you're so diverse. You're white and you're black and you're men, you're women, you're, you're super, super old. I mean, one of our guys was over 80 and, and you're, you're as young as you can be to get into this race. But you all seem to be just completely for one another and you've got all these people cheering you on. This looks like the funnest run club in the world. Who are you? And the runner said, we're the church of Jesus Christ, baby. We are Jesus followers. Maybe didn't say baby, a bit in my head. That's how the story's now evolved. You've got Janardud. But he said, you know, this is the church. And uh, Ed told me uh, later on, I got to know him, he said his, and this literally was his words, his response was one word, oh, nuts. Because he could not deny that he'd seen a demonstration of a different kingdom, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of unity, a kingdom of grace, a kingdom out for justice, a kingdom making a difference in the world, a kingdom going to where it is needed, a kingdom embodied uh, by love, a kingdom defined by love. And he could not resist it. And so we ran the 10K on the Sunday morning and in the Sunday evening, Ed was in church. And a week later, he'd given his life to Jesus and he became one of our uh, key leaders and married him to his wife. He also met there. You know, it's, it's a great thing. Just amazing. But it's because Jesus gives us authority to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom. Did you know that you're in a unique position to proclaim the kingdom of God? The church can't do it. Organized religion can't do it. If you think, well, I won't tell my friends, I won't tell people at work because it's not really my place. You're exactly the person that needs to do this. There's um, some research that's just come in and all the research that we're getting right now says that people, particularly between the ages of 18 to 35, are more open to faith than they have been in a long, long time. More open than any other demographic in the country. We saw something very unusual happening during the pandemic in terms of people who tuned in to church services, skewed incredibly young. But here's the thing, when a bunch of people 
in a survey were asked, what do you think about church? What do you associate with church? This is what uh, they said. So uh, 26% said hypocritical. 8% said hurtful. 16% said homophobic. 26% said narrow-minded. Tick, 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 tick. That's what people said about the church. The church has got a bad press, a bad reputation. But then they asked the same question. Yeah, but what about the Christians that you know? Oh, the Christians that we know. Well, in this case, the Christians, actually, when it comes to hypocritical, 9%. Hurtful, 3%. Homophobic, 5%. Narrow-minded, 10%. Much, much less critical of the Christians that they actually know than the image of church that they have. When it came to the positive things, they talked about church. Uh, what do you associate with church? 20% of them said, yeah, church is caring. 22% said it's friendly. Only 5% said it's generous. 11% said it's authentic. Okay, but what about the Christians that you actually know? The people in your workplace, the Christian that you see in your course, the person in your hall that you know goes to church. What about them? Ah, well, in that case, these people, 50% said they're caring. 62% said, yeah, they're friendly. 33% generous. 32% authentic. In other words, the perception of a believer is so powerful that even in a culture that has issues, and probably rightly so, about church, they look at you, they look at your life, and they see something valuable and worthy and worthwhile. And Jesus' thing to us is this, and this is what gets me every single time. He says this, he says, freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received love. Freely give it. Freely you have received the good news about Jesus. Maybe you got it from your family. Maybe you got it from a friend. Some of you, you found it here. Maybe you got it from a workmate. But it was freely given to you. So freely you give. Freely you have been given a relationship with Jesus. Freely you have had the doors of prayer opened to you. Freely you have been welcomed into the community of faith. Why would we keep that to ourselves? And you say, yeah, but I, I, I feel nervous or I've tried it before in the past and, and I got rebuffed or actually it's so difficult to talk about these things and it's almost like a taboo subject. But Jesus says, yes, but listen, I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to this and I'm giving you authority. And there are ways in which I can work to open doors for you that will make all the difference. Just have that attitude. I've been given freely. The least I can do is to freely give. So here's the thing that I would like to encourage us to do, and this is the thing that I'd like to suggest. I'd like you to think about two or three people that you know that don't know Jesus. Now, again, if you're not a believer here, <laughs> this might be you. So that's OK. And if you're watching or listening and you're thinking about faith, this might be you. But for those of us that are following Jesus, think about two or three of your friends who don't know Jesus. And then just say, Lord Jesus, you call me to bring the kingdom to them, to proclaim the kingdom and to demonstrate the kingdom. Would you give me opportunities? 
Would you give me what I need? Would you give me strength? Would you give me boldness? Would you give me the right words? Would you give me the right in? What would it take for you to be able to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, this, this otherworldly, new, brand new world that is breaking in on our present reality? What would it take for you to be able to share that with somebody else? Well, whatever that is, ask God to give it to you. Because Jesus doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And if he's calling you, which he is, he can give you what you need. He gave the authority to the disciples and he can give us the authority ourselves. We just have to take it. You know, this credit card, it's no good to me if I don't use it. If it just stays in my back pocket and I walk around saying, hey, I got the credit card, look at me, and I use it as some kind of flex, it doesn't do anyone any good whatsoever. But if I go out and actually cash it in, if I use it to do good in this world, then I'm taking the authority that's been given me and I'm using it for something. Your Christian faith isn't just something to believe in and you maintain it and you go to church. Your Christian faith is a call from Jesus to go and change the world. And so he says, this kingdom of mine, it, it needs to go into all the world and I'm looking for you to proclaim it and to demonstrate it. So here's the thing. I want to invite you again to take two or three people and maybe, just maybe, for this next month, you can do it over the summer if you like, just pray for them every day and pray for yourself every day and tell Jesus what he needs to give you, what you would like him to give you in order to see them experience the kingdom of God for themselves. And it may be that it just starts with a, hey, we're all going to Chance Encounters on Thursday, woodlandsmetro.com slash social. Uh, come with us. We're, we're going to play some board games. It'll be fun. You'll meet some interesting people. And then you get the Ed love running effect. Wow, these people, there's something about them. This is compelling. Tell people about church. No, thanks. Turn off. Show people Christians are generous, kind, Authentic. These are good things that we can do. But whatever it is, Jesus will give you the opportunity. For some of you, you're going to find someone who's going to say to you, I've got this problem. And you're going to find yourself saying, hey, like Amy, I'm going to pray. Do you mind if I pray? You know, I talk to the big guy who says, you know that. Or it might be you say, do you know, I feel a little bit embarrassed about this because I've, I've never really talked about my faith. Truth is, I, I find it a little bit awkward and difficult. But um, I wonder if I could just say a little prayer about this situation you've told me about. Or, so your back is bad. It's going to sound weird, but can I pray for you? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me by my Father through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to act on it. So here's our big idea. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. In love, he's freely given us the kingdom. And he's given us the authority to freely give it away to others as we proclaim and demonstrate it. Let's pray right now. I just want to give you a little bit of a moment to have your eyes closed. And I want you to think about those two or three individuals 
It might be a family member, a brother or a sister, a father or a mother, an aunt. It could be a flatmate. It could be someone that you've seen this weekend, someone on your sports team. It could be a colleague, it could be a neighbour. But just right now, ask Jesus to highlight to you two or three people. You might not think they need it, but they need Jesus. And they need to know about the kingdom. And freely you have received, so freely give. Your weakness is not a problem because he's given you authority. Doesn't matter if you've got nothing in your bank account, Jesus hands you his credit card. And he says, take my authority, take my power. And right now, I just want you to make a little commitment to yourself, to God. Might be baby steps. Or maybe you come to um, our thing on Tuesday and you think, actually, do you know what? I'm going to try fasting for them. What's the worst that can happen? But whatever it is, we're going to be disciples of Jesus. They don't just keep everything to ourselves, but we freely give it away. And right now, as you're just holding these people in your mind's eye, I just invite you just to have your hands um, palm upwards. And I'm going to pray that God would give us a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, I want to ask in Jesus' name that you come upon us. Lord, you know how we love these people. You know how they're special to us. And I want to pray that you would give us, in a fresh way, your authority, your anointing, your power. And I want to pray, Lord God, that those of us responding to you right now would experience a new level of authority and would see ourselves being used by you in surprising ways. And I want to ask that as you've brought us into your kingdom, I want to pray that you'd bring other people into your kingdom through us. So right now, I just bless you with the Spirit. I bless you with an anointing from on high, with a power from on high. And I say, Lord God, would you release salvation in our midst? Let us see many people finding you because of the witness of this community of faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.